I pray for every recording artist I see selling their soul in some way because the soul belongs to God and you're going to get into a lot of trouble. So I pray for them. I pray for them for they know not what they do. I pray all the time. The Profile with Premier Christianity Magazine. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Welcome to The Profile. I am Sam Hales, the editor of Premier Christianity Magazine, hosting the show for us today. Every week here on The Profile, we like to sit down with a different Christian to find out something of their life story. And this week's guest is... Kaya Jones. Kaya is best known for being a former member of the pop group The Pussycat Dolls. Kaya's had a remarkable journey to Christian faith and has become a pro-life advocate as well. You'll hear about her views on that subject in this interview right here on the profile today. The show is brought to you by the magazine that I edit. That's Premier Christianity Magazine, where we feature fantastic stories, interviews, testimonies, the latest news, all from a Christian perspective. If you want to join our community of subscribers, just head over to premierchristianity.com. You better read loads of great articles and also become a subscriber, meaning you will get the print magazine delivered to your door every month plus full online access. That's premierchristianity.com. Before we listen in to this interview, just to let you know that today's conversation does contain some discussion on adult themes and so may not be suitable for younger listeners. I'm going to hand over now to my colleague, Cassandra, who has been speaking to the former Pussycat doll, Kaya Jones. Let's listen in to their conversation now. With me, I have a woman who is known for what I would say to be one of the people that shaped the music scene in the early 2000s with her group, the Pussycat Dolls. They went on to sell millions of records worldwide. They toured with Rihanna. They won awards across the music industry. And now she has come away from all of that and has given her life to Christ, which is why we are here. It's Kaya Jones. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I am honestly so excited about this because I grew up listening to the Pussycat Dolls. I was one of the girls that you've spoken about before that would watch and be like, oh my gosh, it's the Pussycat Dolls. So to know now that as I've grown and when I saw that you are where you are, I was like, wow, that is incredible. Um, A lot of people may not know that you're a Christian or that you even have had this change. So can you talk us through that journey very quickly before we get into Absolutely. Um, Glory to God, right? Because it's God who did it. Um, When I joined the Pussycat Dolls, I was so excited. I was elated. I was very young and we were going to be, you know, the next, you know, Spice Girls. And I grew up loving the Spice Girls. Like I wanted to be a Spice Girl. So I felt a tremendous honor being a part of the Pussycat Dolls. And as I started to be molded into what that was ultimately becoming, God put it on my heart that I couldn't stay in that institution. And that was really hard because I, it was my dream. So walking away from it was very hard in the aspect of it wasn't what I perceived it it was going to be. It didn't, it definitely wasn't the Spice Girls. It was very different than that. And that's why the Spice Girls have gone on to have such success years and years and years later is because there's a foundation within the integrity of the women. And um, a lot of that was tested. I pray for all of the girls though, because um, they're all tremendously talented and wonderful people individually. And it was an honor to work with all of them. Um, But God just had different 
plants for me. And at the time I didn't understand what it was. And when I left the institution, I went on to do a lot of dance music and electronic music and pop music, still not serving the Lord in the capacity that I wanted to. And I ultimately just had to pray about it. I said, Lord, if you really want me to continue to sing for you in the, in the world that you, stage that you've given me these opportunities, I want to sing for you. I don't want to just sing and say, I love you privately. I want to sing for you. So if that's going to happen, you're going to have to bring those uh, musical opportunities to my, you know, to my forefront, because I don't know how to find them. Um, and I don't know who these individuals would be that I would work with. And with within, I would say nine months of that prayer, um, that's when he introduced me to Jason Crabb and Jada Marcus from the Rascal Flats that ultimately won the first uh, Grammy for the Lord. Uh, so that that was the beginning of the journey. Now we're ready for my first Christian solo album. So we've been writing this album for a year. And so I'm excited that God has really put it all into motion. But it's been a journey from when I left the Dolls, still singing secular music and not really giving my whole heart to the Lord. Um, but you know, being saved, I actually officially was baptized and saved, I would say, um, in 20, in 2020. Yes, I saw the pictures of that. It looks amazing. It was just such a negative <laughs> moment. Um, yeah. I, so when you decided to leave them, one question that I always wanted to know was because I know that um, some of the members, I don't know how all their faith is, but Nicole has been quite vocal about her belief in God and all these different things. Did Amen. you this with her or them and how did they receive it when it's you funny say that yeah Nicole and me were best friends um she she and I were the closest uh so when I left I know that that had to have been strange not only for me but it was probably for her um we would go to church every Sunday so that was yeah something that people don't know so Nicole and I would go to church every Sunday we would pray together um we'd worship together we loved the Lord together. So it was really hard when um, the industry powers that be started to break the bond that me and her had up. And then ultimately when I walked away, I never even got to say goodbye to her. So it wasn't, or any of the girls. Um, so I know that Nicole's a believer. I know that she knows who Jesus Christ is. And I know that, um, you know, he loves her. So I have complete tremendous faith that she's gonna come out all the way, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Um, I love that because it's nice to know that there is that happening in a group. Um, yeah. Despite what everything else was going around it, that is still yeah. something that... No, there. she knows the Lord. She knows the Lord and he knows her. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible to hear. Um, how do you think that being in this group shaped your identity? So you joined this group quite young. How did this shape who you were at that stage? Oh, um tremendously shaped who I was I think for all the women because there was such pressure on our physical attributes that um I you know eating disorders came in from that uh not feeling worthy not feeling beautiful not feeling pretty enough um nothing was ever enough so you it created a lot of insecurities I would say and um things we had to work towards low self-esteem also so that you mean that leads to all the you know promiscuity all the things that um I've been so vocal about discussing and luckily God plucked me from that to be able to utilize me for him because I if I wasn't serving the Lord and working for him I don't know how I would have dealt with all of this truly yeah that's really heavy 
um, is really heavy stuff. And whenever I've heard you speak about this, it's always felt as though it felt like you were definitely trapped. And when I hear you talk about it now, it seems like you're very free. And it's really beautiful to see um, because, you know, you've said things like it felt like being a slave. You couldn't do things for yourself. Couldn't have children. Um, what does it feel like to be free of all of that now? Oh, it feels so good, right? Because true freedom is knowing who you are in the Lord. And and you really don't know who you are until you know who God is, right? And so the more that you focus on him, the more he reveals who you are and who he is inside of you. And you know that you're pretty enough, you're enough, your weight's okay. I mean, do we have to balance things? Absolutely. But I'm not, you know, now panicked the way that I was always panicked that, you know, and the insecurities were just so... Um, rampant uh with all of us you know there was always and all of the women were beautiful like when I look back at our photos I think my goodness like especially some of the early early photos that are private photos of us like you know traveling and taking like photos with one another and um how we at the time the conversation I remember there's a photo of me and Nicole holding a bottle of like an aloe drink and it was a big aloe drink and we were in uh, Singapore and that that was our meal for the day because we did not think we could eat. You know, we had this like, we can't eat. Our eating was also monitored. Um, well, everything we did was monitored. So, how, you know, how does it feel to be free? It feels tremendous. I think we're in a very different time where um, artistry is changing, the world is changing. And what worked then would never work now. And um, it's wonderful to see how many people are really standing up for themselves. Like just girls in general. I, I love meeting young girls who are so sure who they are and I'm so confident. And um, the girl that really made me realize that I needed to leave the dolls, you know, and just a shout out to Scarlett Johansson because she was 19, same age as me when I met her. And she was like, so confident. And I remember being like, oh, like, how could she be so confident? And she was so sure. And she was the one who kind of said, I would never let anyone talk to me that way. She was actually the one that called it out because um, she was doing an event with us and she saw what was going on and she wasn't having it. And I just thought how cool she was that she not only could spot it, abuse, didn't tolerate it and stood up for um for us in a moment and so kind of really amazing that young women doesn't matter you know it, I guess it doesn't matter what age you are there are a lot of young women who will not let people take advantage of them and that inspires me tremendously that I you know when I do have young children that I can bestow that into them right away that you don't have to be uh conform or or think you need to be proper or nice it, you know, you have, you have the uh, permission to stand up for yourself. Oh, when I hear your story, I feel the, what's the word? I feel the freedom is really strange because when you're explaining it, you're saying, you know, they didn't let us do this and that. I know what it's like to sometimes feel trapped in like a, you know, I used to go to church and they didn't allow us to uh, wear jewelry or makeup or trousers as women or anything. They just said, no, none of that is anything and if you were dating someone you had to get married within six months and I felt very um wow. trapped in that system and when I came out of it the freedom was like wow this is what it's meant to be this is what life is meant to be like, <laughs> like wow someone's telling you what to do and you know I didn't feel like I could even 
you know, do anything. Um, so when you were telling the story, I it reminds me of those times. And so I, the freedom aspect is just amazing to hear um, what God does, I guess, to pull you out of situations. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really good to hear. When you um, were in the group, so I mean, you've spoken in previous interviews about not being able to have <clears throat> children and how that's one of your biggest regrets. Um, there will be people listening to this show that will be able to sympathize with that. Um, talk us through that because that is a really heavy and difficult thing to yeah. go through. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, abortion, I think, has been something that has been so blanketed, like it's just a form of, uh, you know, contraception, that uh, abortion is no big deal. Um, I was one of those girls, you know, I believed it was no big deal. Before I joined the Pussycat Dolls, I was 16 years old, had my first abortion, didn't think it was a big deal. I remember waking up and feeling like something was taken from me, like someone had taken my kidney. It was the most strange feeling. I felt like someone took something that always belonged to me, but I was so young that I didn't have a, a you know, a compass with inside me going like, what did you just do? It was kind of like, that feels so weird. I don't know what just happened, but it moved the line. Right. And we don't know what a line is until we've crossed it. And so that line then moved to it wasn't a big deal. When I was in the Pussycat Dolls, I became pregnant and I was told to get rid of it. Um, there have been women from the other institutions, Girlicious, GRL, who have gone through the same. And we, we're all friends now. It's really interesting how so many of the girl groups that were created in that time by the same people, we were all actually talking about, um, you know, oh, I was fired because I chose to not have the abortion or, you know, we've, we've had these conversations. Yeah. And um, I was told to get rid of it. And that was then the second abortion. And I did it, uh, you know, very quickly. And it was, it, it, it went bad because I ended up hemorrhaging. I was very anemic at the time, sick. I was actually still bleeding while performing. Um, I was still losing my child while performing and told I was fat and, um, and going to the doctors in between rehearsals and having to hide that because even though I was told to get rid of it, um, you don't want to lose your job. So you're in this kind of panic of like, I don't want everyone to know. And, and, the, and there are a few that know, and I don't want everyone to know. And so there was, th there's all of this um, secrecy and uh, pain, internal pain, right? Because yes, you no longer are pregnant, but you're now the parent of a dead child. And this murder took place inside of your body. And um, how do you concede with that? And no matter how you, and, and that's why I, when I talk about it, I try to be as gentle as possible because um, I, I know the pain that it, it causes and you feel as a woman who's gone through it. And not everyone feels this way that I feel, but a lot do. Um, there are women that think that there was no problem and it. They say it was their, you know, they think it was the best thing that they could have done. And there, and there are a lot of people that say it was the worst thing I could have done. And we're not having that discussion. Um, and then the third time I was raped. So because of, again, low self-esteem, had abortions before, poor choices and decisions, you know, succumbing to alcohol, ultimately someone that I used to date thinking he could take advantage of me while I was intoxicated and blacked out drunk. And he did, 
I wanted to keep that baby. And um, he threatened me. There was a lot of very personal things that took place with that individual um, who wasn't well. And ultimately I had a third abortion and that one was the most painful because I really wanted to keep that baby actually um, because I knew better, right? I knew better because I wasn't a child anymore making decisions that I didn't think mattered. I was a grown adult. I felt like maybe this was maybe my only chance to have a baby, you know, just have, have the child. Um, and then being threatened by the father who had raped me wasn't exactly the best circumstances to be in. And I made the decision to have another abortion. And I had thought about each one of those pregnancies individually working through it spiritually with God, um, just trying to let him know how, how much regret I carry and him really, um, healing my pain. And, um, that's why when you see my baptism photos, pastor Paula holding my, because when I, when I got to the salvation point, and I think I should share this with your viewers, I, I haven't shared it publicly. I felt like I was being hunted by God. There was no brigade of police officers chasing me, but I felt like I was being chased by I felt like I was going to prison and, and in a spiritual way, I felt like I was going to prison. I felt like I was in a lot of trouble. I was dealing with paranoia, things that were not normal. Right. I, I don't suffer from any of those things. I've never suffered from any mental anguish or depression whatsoever. So the feeling was very intense. It was spiritual. And I, when I got to the church, I remember pastor Todd being in the back green room with me and pastor Paula being with me. And I literally collapsed into their arms and said, I threw them away. I threw my children away because that was the conviction of what God was making me feel was that you did something really bad and you're going to pay the consequences spiritually if you don't repent for these sins. So I had to, and the moment that I did, I think they understood she's ready. You know, she's ready to give her life in a big way. And I had already sang the song for the Lord and done all these things for God. I was moving in that space and posting things about Jesus all the time, but I really hadn't repented and, and publicly. Right. And there's a private repentance, but then there's also a public repentance that we, we receive a whole different blessing and relief and freedom from when God says, now you're taking the pain and the evil and turning it for good so that people can hear, um, you know, the magnitude of what God can do and, and how he can heal. And that's why she put her hand so strongly on my stomach when she was baptizing me was because there had been murders gone on in my womb. And so, and I was complicit in this. And so um, it, it was a horrible journey to get to this point, but I hope that women can take heed to what I've walked through and make a different decision. You know, I've never spoken with a mother or a father who regret their child ever. I've heard they're hard. It's tough. Um, I don't sleep. I've heard all these things. I've never heard a parent say, I regret my child, but I will tell you as someone who did not have my children, I regret not having my children. So I don't believe we should take anyone's rights away, but I do believe there needs to be a surgeon general warning for young girls and young men that there are spiritual ramifications beyond logic, beyond reason, beyond understanding that you will go through at some time in your life. And um, I hope that you don't 
put yourself through things that will make you have to regret, you know, um, and those precious lives mean so much, you know, to this planet. I think we'd be so much further in medical, in science, in music, because there's millions of souls that were meant to come. And we played God, if you will, because, you know, when we don't know better, you don't do better. But I think it's time that we start paying attention that it's, this is not just a clump of cells and there's ramifications for, for ending, you know, a life in the womb. Wow, Kaya, that is such an incredible journey, such a heavy journey, such a painful journey. Um, you did say that you don't want to take away anyone's rights. Um, that is no. a huge thing happening in America at the moment. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that then, that you don't want to take anyone's rights away, but you're saying act wisely? Because I think that God gives us free will. So if I'm acting as someone who understands what God's word says, God's word tells us, he doesn't say, um, you can't sleep with someone outside of marriage. He tells us, don't do it. You should be married. Why? Because there are spiritual ramifications. We are a living temple of God and we should honor our bodies. So do you want to kill someone inside the temple of God? I mean, no, absolutely not. Do I believe that we should make it really hard for women to do this? Yes, I do. Do I believe that we should take rights away wholeheartedly? No, because there are women that have situations that are unfortunate. They're a very low percentage. I think that women need to know the consequences because the spiritual ramifications, and that's why I never get preachy with like, oh, take everyone's rights away. Now, do I believe Roe versus Wade overturning? I agree with that. I do agree with the overturning of it. Um, but But I am very careful because I know that it's a personal choice. I had to go through it. And you know what? It's a painful one. I believe that God is utilizing my story to help young women make a better choice. Do you think then, because a lot of people um, will put their life in danger to go and get these when or if they're made more difficult to get? Young women have been fed this narrative that an abortion is no big deal. Young men have ultimately also been fed this narrative that, oh, it's no big deal. You can sleep around with as many girls as possible and you don't have to become a dad. Why are we not teaching in some capacity how to parent? how to be a good mom, how to be a good dad, no matter what the age is. And why are we not talking about other options like adoption? I think education is the key to everything, right? Because when we know better, we do better. I think the church has a tremendous responsibility. And I think it's time that we step up as the church, as the body of Christ and say, hey, we don't have to take anyone's rights away. But now that these girls have said no, they're going to keep their baby. They're not going to just let it fall by the wayside or abort it. How can we help them in in the community? The church, yes, if you're going to push for this, what is the aftercare? What is the help that's going to come afterwards? What is the, what is the support? Because a lot of women, they will hear this. They'll be like, all right, cool. I'm going to make this decision. Let's go. But then but they need help. They need financial help. They need medical help. And I think if, if the community at hand, if everyone said, well, I can do this, right? If each person said, I can contribute $20 a month, or each person said, you know, if you're a physician, I can do a certain amount of prenatal care per year, 
right? If you're, if you're an OBGYN, I'll donate this amount per year. If every single person tried a little bit to help in whatever way they could, right? And that's the thing about community. We mo most of the time now, we don't even get to know our neighbors, but your community is how you survive. When people normally have this conversation, it kind of stops at, okay, well, this is um, what you shouldn't do and then it ends. But carrying on that conversation, yeah. and what happens afterwards, that's not something that people often talk about. It's just left yeah. at, okay, don't do it, done. Um, so I love that you've said that. I love that point because it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. It does take a village to raise a child. If you are going to say to people, you cannot do this, what happens afterwards? <laughs> Where's the Well, because that's a big part of it. Like, that's what freaks me out is when people are like, okay, we're going to take all their rights away, but then we're not willing to put daycare programs into the ministry or you're not willing to have, you know, uh, children's ministry or even baby's ministry. You're not willing to put that money into your congregation or ask the congregation to raise the funds in order to have the children's ministry that's necessary. I've been to churches where they don't have a kid's ministry. They do not have a kid's ministry. They don't have the, the money for it. They don't have the resources for it. Um, oh, or they only take children at a certain age, meaning they don't have the help the knowledge, the education or the care to do babies. So parents don't come or there's not the opportunity. I've also had a friend whose mom, she walked into the church with her baby when he was six weeks old. He's now my age, but um, this created church hurt for her for a long time. She walked in with her newborn baby. She was not married and they kicked her out of the church that day. And she went on to have church hurt for 30 years she recently this past year just got baptized she's back in a church um because god is faithful and so you know we're to be gatherers not scatterers and a lot of what we can do as the body of christ is change our approach a bit and it's and it's you know that's not diminishing the word of god any it's just changing our approach that we'll get more bees with honey and we need to love on people because they're broken. I'm not like, a. am not someone that's, I don't believe in beating people into a position because I, I've had girls call me and ask me or uh, DM me on social media because they've heard about my abortions. And I've had fans say, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. And they'll tell me their situation. And I've literally said, I'm praying for you. I can't tell you to do, I can't tell you to keep, I can't tell you to abort. What I can tell you is I did not have my children and there isn't a single day that I don't regret it. We have this idea like, oh, well, it's our body, our choice, but it's a, it's a new DNA. It's, it's brand new and it's not spoken for. And it's a DNA we'll never see again and has never been created before. And um, it's a miracle. It is a miracle to see life come into this world and what an honor to be a woman to be able to be that vessel to bring life forward do you describe yourself as a feminist i mean i well oh, the way feminism has moved i would say uh not in the recent determination of feminism but i would say normally yeah i would say totally i'm a feminist because i'm pro-women meaning I don't believe that there should be boys in the girls' bathroom. I believe that women should be protected. I think women need to be protected. Um, you know, 
there shouldn't be boys doing girls sports either. You know, we've had to fight through a lot as women to get our own stuff. Like women to get into the military was a process. And now that process being dwindled down because now we have to make room for men that are now converting to women. And so therefore there needs to be another assessment of women in the military or women in the work field or women in sports or women in school. I mean, it, it's just silly to me how we're not respected, you know, because our voices are being now silenced by men who are choosing to be women. Mm-hmm. And that to me, so yeah, am I a feminist? Probably because I, I believe that girls are awesome and we should be respected. We fought really hard to get to be able to vote. We fought really hard to be able to work and still be moms. And I do believe that we can do it all. So, um, and, and especially because of human trafficking and abuse and, and rape and all of the things that girls go through, because we're just considered the smaller ones, um, you know, I think we need to be protected. And um, I see the lack of protection happening daily to women. And that's scary. How, what would you say to people? Because there are a lot of people that are going to be listening in saying, okay, so women's rights includes women being able to say, I want to do what I want to do. Um, is saying that women can't do or putting sanctions on women taking away our voice? Well, in a way, I mean, yeah, but we've kind of gone rampant with it, right? We've we've taken like the the rights that we've had and, you know, allowed ourselves to take our children to a slaughterhouse. I mean, come on, come on. Listen, having rights as a woman comes with responsibility. And that also means that we honor ourselves and not diminish what we fought hard to do um, in the realm of having the ability to vote, the ability to, you know, that's why I don't believe in taking women's rights away, because I, I think that we fought really hard to have these rights. But pay attention, girls. If a guy is asking you to do this and you don't want to do it, don't do it. Stand firm. Don't do it. Like. I think about being in that abortion clinic and I could have walked out and I didn't and I could have walked out and I didn't. And I've I've had to replay that over and over again. What did I do? What did I do? And, you know, if you're on the fence, choose life. If you can, if you have the help, now there's circumstances where you don't have the help, no one's going to help you, or you feel like your hands are tied, then you have to go to the good Lord about that, you know, but we're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to support each other in the community, definitely have these discussions that are very hard to have. And there is no right and wrong on it because as much as I have my views, there are someone that has very different views and I'll sit and listen to them. And I'm like, you know, we can, we think about the gospels and you think about the Lord and how we can perceive the good news and how people say, Oh, well, God is like, you know, very angry. And then you have people that see God as very peaceful. I mean, we can, we look at things very differently. We look at things as human beings very differently. I think it's a very complex issue, which is why I believe we need to get the information and the education out so that women start to not want to do this. And when we start, don't tell people what to do, because the moment that you do that, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to do, I mean, it's going to then be this illegal practice that becomes something that's not good anyway. I want to get back onto you and your faith. Um, 
when you became a Christian, do you think that there was anything that you had to let go of? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think it came in stages because I'm still going through the process. It's still an everyday process, right? Every day you repent every day you reckon every day you forgive someone. Um, you get deeper and deeper and deeper with God. It's every day. So did, is there things I had to give up? I think naturally he started to take them off of me. Um, you know, I, from, you know, being on medication to being, um, to being a, a smoker, to being a vaping person, to being someone who would smoke marijuana and didn't think that was a big deal for my sleep or CBD. Um, and one by one by one by one, just, he started to take them away from me. And I was like, Whoa, like, and it wasn't anything that I felt I had to do. It was that he did it. He did it. So what I was willing to do is just have an open heart. And I was willing to come to come to the Bible every day, read the word of God and say, just transform me, God, just change me. And I'm, I'm willing to be transformed and changed to the vessel you want me to be. Cause I want to work for the office of the Messiah and whatever that means, I'm willing to go there. And Every day he took something away. I've been now celibate for almost a year. I was in a relationship for four years. He severed that relationship because it wasn't godly. He's fixing that person as we speak, as he's fixing me. Um, I really just trust God. I trust the, the process of what he's doing. And, and it's, it's okay. It's okay to not have a boyfriend. It's okay to not be promiscuous. It's okay to not have abortions. It's okay to not drink. Do I have a glass? I had a glass of wine last night before bed. It was a small glass, but I mean, I used to be like a serious drinker and um, cause it was so cultural, right? Like as soon as you sit down to eat, they're like, what do you want to drink? And you'll pick like a non-alcoholic beverage and they're like, Oh, you don't want like one of our fun cocktails or, and you're like, no, you know, and they make you kind of feel guilty. I have Christian friends that drink. I don't shame them. That's not where they're, se that's not their season. That's not where they are. You know? Um, I think we have to let people walk with God and let them be refined by God instead of us trying to be God. We do that a lot as Christians, right? Well, she's not Christian enough or they're not there enough yet. Right. And the truth is, is that, uh, God, if they have a different plan for them, so we have to meet them, meet them where they're at. Did God sit in this, you know, did Jesus sit in the synagogue and say, okay, well, when they come to me, no, he hmm. went out to them and met them where they were at and, and, and just by who he was changed their lives forever. So we should meet people where they're at. We should display the tiny mustard seed planting of faith and then let God do what he does. Amen. Amen. <laughs> hey, this is Sam. Really hope you're enjoying this conversation right here on the Profile Podcast today. Could you do me a favor right now? It will take you just two seconds to give us a rating and a review wherever you found this podcast. Just a couple of seconds to give us a rating is so, so helpful. It helps other people to discover the show as well. So if you could do that, we would so appreciate it. So I want to, I've got a few more questions around the music industry. So um, as someone that's been in the music industry, of course, and still are, but now on the other side of it, would you say that God is in the secular music industry? Uh, yeah, I do. I think God is 
God is inside of us. We just make poor choices every day on whether or not we're going to serve him or we're going to serve our, ourselves or, you know, make covenant with the enemy at hand, which is Lucifer, which is Satan, which is real. It is real. You know, are demons real? Yes, they're real. I mean, all of that stuff is real. You know, I think we're seeing it every day and it's shocking. I pray for every recording artist I see selling their soul in some way because the soul belongs to God and you're going to get into a lot of trouble. So I pray for them. I pray for them for they know not what they do. I pray all the time, but you know, are all the other pussycat dolls working for the Lord yet? No, I know one specifically that knows the Lord. Well, I know, and I know that the other girls, God loves them just the same. Do I hope that one day they'll give their life to God? Absolutely. If they're ever ready, I'm here. You know, and that's my, my job is I think of Katy Perry, who was one of my best friends. She was a believer. I hope that, you know, she one day wants to sing for Jesus, Britney Spears. I hope one day she wants to sing for, I hope that they all want to sing for Jesus. And whenever they're ready, I'm like, yay, I'm your biggest cheerleader. Cause I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Glory to God. He's going to bring all of, um, his children who have you know, who have a lot of influence. I believe that. So, you know, when I heard, you know, Bono was a Christian, I was like, what? I was so excited. You know, when I've heard Alice Cooper is a Christian, I'm like, what? I get excited when I hear, cause you never know, right? Because only God knows our hearts. So I just pray that there's like a change and a shift. And um, yeah, I believe God is in the secular industry because he's sifting through the world right now and separating the wheat from the chaff. So I think there will be a lot that you really are not prepared for that will come over and um, really give glory to our heavenly father. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Um, there's been debates recently about people that have wanted to go to Beyonce's concert. Um, people will be saying, don't go, do go. What would your advice be to those that are choosing to go? Um, do you think it's a place that we should be at? What are your thoughts? Well, um, there's a musical group that's very well known and they're, they were very good friends of mine. Um, and I went to their concert. They're, they're secular. They're actually very big in the UK. They're, they are UK artists. I went to their concert and I walked out cause it was too demonic. So again, let God convict each one of his children. You want to go there. You want to make covenant with the music at hand that is making covenant with the enemy. You got to make the choice. It, there will be consequences. If you then feel torment and you can't sleep at night, if you're then dealing with things that you're battling. Yeah. Uh, maybe you shouldn't have gone to those things. I am a firm believer of never. You've got to listen to God. If God tells you not to go, he already told you don't go, you know, do I think that they should go or shouldn't go? I ain't going to a Beyonce concert. I've heard what she has to say. Am I praying for Beyonce? Absolutely. Do I believe that every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess? Absolutely. Um, I, I have hope that, that God will redeem all of his children, even those that don't know what they're doing. And, um, she has a big, big platform and I pray that God changes her heart. I really do. Um, but I would never say to someone, don't go to their concert for pink. Pink said recently, and I posted it on my page. Pink said recently that all of her pro-life fans need to delete her music 
and stop following her. And I did. I said, okay, because I felt that that was, listen, I'm pro-life and I'm not going to tell one of my followers who might be a pro-choice. You can't follow me. That's not how we win people over. We're, we are to really be the hands and feet of the Lord and love people by the way that we conduct ourselves. We show people a better way. How did I become a better Christian today? I watched mighty men and women of God show me how to be a better person each day. And I hope that, you know, I reflect enough of the Lord to change someone's life each day. And, and I do something kind for people each day, but am I guaranteed, uh, through the eye of the needle? None of us are. That's how serious it is. Um, but we do our best. That's all we can do. And no, don't judge. Don't judge less will be judged. Right. As, as we judge others and we should worry about the log in our own eye. So that's my thoughts is, um, less judging more love and maybe maybe we'll get further (laughs) honestly that's what we need in the world (laughs) we do need that in the world um so final question then that I really want to ask um because there will be people that are going to be listening that either a haven't given their life to Christ yet or they're on the precipice or you know because there's you don't know who listens to the radio and you don't know who is just going to flick on um what does freedom in Christ mean to you (gasps) Oh my goodness. It's better than drugs. It's better than sex. It's better than the the love, like the craziest love affair you could ever fathom. When you receive the cloaking of the Lord, I'm going to tell you right now, you will go through things in life because you're not guaranteed just because you come to the Lord that everything's going to be a bowl of cherries. That's not true. You're still going to lose animals. You're still going to lose loved ones. You're still going to lose jobs. You're still going to lose opportunities. But there's a supernatural peace that you literally giggle while things happen. And you're like, because something else is going to happen. You start to have a different outlook. It's not that things don't happen to you. It's just that you now see the finite details of what God is doing. And you can only contest how did I get through life without you? Because honestly, it's really heavy. So if anyone's listening and you haven't given your life to God, it's really lonely without God. So I just pray right now that heavenly father, you would intercede into the hearts of whoever's listening, who haven't given their life to Christ and that you would change their heart of stone into flesh and that all anger, frustration, fear, resentment, um, would just be removed from them right now and that they would have your supernatural prince of peace anointing and they would know what love is true love um, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet and that they could just say i give my life and just like that you are a new being in christ and this is the the day that your life really begins so glory to god amen yeah um thank you so much so amazing to hear your story it's just been great thank you thank you so much have a blessed day you're listening to the profile
You've been listening to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Howes, editor of Premier Christianity. That is the magazine that sponsors this show. If you want to become a subscriber and join the thousands of people who already receive the UK's leading Christian magazine direct to their door every month, just head to premierchristianity.com and take out a subscription now. And I tell you what, just for you, just for you, why not get a half price subscription? If you want a half price subscription, listen in. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do that. When you go to premierchristianity.com and click on subscribe, you will be asked to enter a promo code. If you enter the code Easter, you will get a half price subscription. That's Easter. Just enter Easter at the promo code box on premierchristianity.com and you'll have a half price subscription. How is that? Well, hope you have enjoyed today's show. It's been great to hear Kaya Jones's testimony. She's been speaking to Cassandra. And we will see you next time here on The Profile. We'll have another great interview for you next weekend right here on Premier Christian Radio. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.